You're listening to What the Folklore, making sense of senseless tales. You can support us on Patreon and join our Discord server at patreon.com slash wtfolklore. Hello everyone and welcome back to What the Folklore, Making Sense of Senseless Tales. I am your storyteller, Carmen. I'm still robbing these old people. Also, I'm Same. Tyler. Just still going. How rich? How's yeah? How's it? How's it looking? Here's the check-in. Uh, I am at nine hundred sixty-two thousand four hundred and forty-four Pokemon dollars. I'm curious if it's going to stop me at nine 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 nine. In which case, I'll just have to go spend all their money and then go take some more. <laughs> what a what a sense of relief they must feel <laughs> as you as you cycle off. Uh, but we but still have some retirement. It is not to hold, alas. <laughs> yeah, then they see your silhouette on the horizon. No, not <laughs> they, again. They hear the light <laughs> whirr of the bike wheels. Like, they smell the stench of the Gyarados. <laughs> Somehow both smoky of... and watery at the same as, time. As it itches for battle. It's like the beginning of Seven Samurais who come over the hill. <laughs> Just me and my fish god here to take everything they're worth. Uh, speaking of Japan, we're still in Iceland this yeah. week. And Gordy's here. What? Did you I'll... say speaking of Japan? <laughs> yes. We're still in Iceland? Yeah. Can yes. we... I don't... Wait. Okay. Basically, I am enacting the story as we're reading it via Pokemon. I, I see. Yes. Uh, yes, of course. Yes. Uh, we are reading part two of Egil and Asmund, uh, as recommended to us by Hyerius. Part two for us, but what part of the story are we at? Part eight. <laughs> yeah. It's, always it's one s- of those. It's always a good sign when your folktale is broken down into chapters. Um, I, di- I dared not ask last time, but how many parts are there? I don't recall. Do you want me to find out? or? Do yeah, you just scroll to, to the bottoms just so that we know what we're dealing with here. Just so I can gauge how frequently I should be interrupting you <laughs> for my own sanity. <laughs> Should have anticipated this and bolded the <laughs> the parts. It's also possible, like toward the end, it's looking like I just sort of got exhausted and kept going. <laughs> uh, so I stopped at part fourteen. Okay. Oh no, fifteen. There's fifteen. Mm-hmm. I think there were seventeen or eighteen total. Mm-hmm. But I didn't write down the last ones because I could see light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Well, let's get to it. Let's find out. All right. So, uh, where we left off, uh, Asmund and Egil have been having uh, fun secret dates in Jotunheim, and they have met two giant monsters, uh, Skinbeak and Eaglebeak. Skinbeak is the daughter of Eaglebeak. Eaglebeak is a queen, apparently, of something. Uh, And they're hanging out in Eaglebeak's house, waiting for Gruul to cook and telling stories. So we've just heard Asmund's story at the end of the last one, and now we're into part eight, the Berserks.
Oh, we're still in Asmund's story. Never mind. Sorry. I probably should have just cut <laughs> us off. I kind of, I just get so hopeful. <laughs> uh, so we're going to end Asmund's story. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, where Asmund's story left off was uh, his, his best friend, an equally jacked 12-year-old who became king and then died mysteriously and then became and then undead, eating horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's left him... Uh, burnt in the burial man mound and uh, taken all his treasures and now he's trying to uh, fulfill the other part of his blood brotherhood which is being Aaron's heir being um, king for him yeah but pe- the people weren't too king on the idea of this this guy being an heir to Aaron because um, he did just kind of sail in as you know, that their heirs or mm-hmm. their prince's uh, Jack's 12-year-old best friend. They don't like Aaron Aronsons. Yeah. Uh, and then some berserk ships led by the um, the old king's two brothers. Uh, so Aaron the zombie had a dad who was killed by other people. And that dad had two brothers who are berserks that no one likes. Just as a reminder from last time. Mm-hmm. So no one likes these two brothers. Who we are... didn't get an age for and I assume are eight. Right. I mean, they're the brothers of the the dad of the 12-year-old. So they mm-hmm. might be 18. No, they're eight. Oh, they're okay. all, it's all It's all kids all the way down. <laughs> this is just Ender's game. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So the people ashore aren't too happy about these folks coming back either. Uh, Asmund's like, hey, I can lead you in getting rid of these two, uh, but no one wants to bother with fighting because they are just as lazy as the first king we've met in the story. So Asmund's just like, all right, fuck this. Goes back to his ships, and the berserks are able to claim the entire country. Uh, uh, then Asmund... Just a brief update. It did cut me off at 9999999 Pokemon dollars. So, so I'm going to pop over to the department store real quick. <laughs> Clear them out of Pokeballs. <laughs> Are you just going to max out what you can carry in all things? Pretty much. That's the plan going forward. All right. Well, cool. Have fun. Um, the Berserks claim the entire country because no one wants to bother to fight. And Asmund decides he's going to uh, try and get what's his based on his agreements with the dead zombie man. So he goes up to the Berserks and he's like, hey. Aaron gave me half this country, so I know you, like, did a conquer and everything, but also legally half of it's mine. Because a 12-year-old uh, Pinky promised me when we became blood brothers. Yes. And the berserkers are like, fuck off if you want to live. <laughs> Which is, I think, the, the most reasonable response to a 12-year-old coming up and being like, hey, no, look, half of this is mine. Uh, so Asmund challenges to them to duels, and they counter-challenge him to, how about we just do a war? How about that? Like, how we don't... About t- that? We're not gonna one-on-one, you jacked 12-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> we got an army. Come at us. And so they kill Asmund's men and take him captive, because he is still just a 12-year-old who was sailing with 24 dudes. Uh, and they get him ready to be sacrificed in the morning. Unfortunately, there's a deus ex machina um, 
bit of sharp iron near where they've just kind of dumped Asmund all tied up. So he's able to cut his way out of his ropes. And then he goes to play a little bit of a joke on the berserks nearby. So, um, what kind of what kind of practical joke would you, in the space of a jacked twelve year old, play on two berserks who had just conquered a country and refused to give you the half that another twelve year old promised you? Excuse me, what? He's off to play a joke on the berserks. Mm-hmm. Yes, atomic wedge. What, yeah, you're asking what joke I would play on them? Yeah, what do you think? What what kind of joke would you put here? Atomic wedgie. No joke? What would you do, Gordy? No joke. What would you do instead of a joke? Um, Just just leave. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Is leaving an option? Can I just can I just walk away from them? You don't, you don't want that half of a kingdom? Half a kingdom? Ugh. I don't know. You're really going to throw out the DM's whole plan like that, Gordy? <laughs> that sounds like... Look... The DM should be prepared to improvise. <laughs> that is that is part of why you're playing a tabletop game. I just Instead walk away. Story. So we got Wedgie and leaving. Well, Asmund is a murder hobo. So the joke he plays is pulling the tent top of the berserkers, then splitting one of their heads open, then bisecting the other one, and somewhere in the midst of this he apparently killed ten other men. You know, jokes. Japes. Just fun little games. Played by 12-year-olds. Uh, so yet another king, Herod, shows up. I don't remember who he is. Uh, I guess maybe he's the brother. He's the brother of Aaron. Yeah, now I remember who he is. He's the brother of Aaron. Um, who gives a shit? There's so many people <laughs> in this story. Um, so Herod takes over because no one cares enough to protest that Asmund shows up to see what's up what's what are the chances he's going to get his his share um can can we make a deal or are we going to do more fun pranks like what's going on uh Herod and Asmund get along swimmingly and then Asmund's like I feel kind of like plundering a bit and that's how he got that ship and the 30 men that he showed up with at the beginning of his part of the story the end excuse me well, that's the end of Asmund's story that he was telling to pass oh. the time. That was oh, the whole okay. reason that we listened to all of that. Yeah, so that we can figure out why this guy showed up to become a king's drinking buddy with 30 men. And it's because he felt like plundering after doing a lot of murder. <laughs> At age 12. At 12, yeah. And I guess he just spent four four years at sea. Alright, so he finishes up his story. They check in on the gruel. Gruel's not finished. So, uh, Eggle's turn to entertain everybody. So now we enter part nine, the giant. Uh, there was another king somewhere who was Eggle's dad, and Eggle also has a sister, and it's another one of those long roundabout ways to say, hey, this is a story about me, Eggle. Uh, and Eggle does The other get... half of the grander title. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Eggle in this process also admits that he was apparently a, a giant pain in the ass as a kid. Oh, no fucking kidding? Sword hand man? <laughs> and by man, I do mean teenager. <laughs> he apparently had, uh, like, just regular hands when he was being a pain in the ass kid. Uh, so near where he grew up, there was a large lake out in the wood. And Eggle and his friends started a contest one day to see which of them could swim the farthest into the lake. Uh, which was a lake so big that the outermost island had to uh, be seen from the tallest of the trees. 
Like, you'd have to climb up to even see where it was on the horizon. So it's a pretty fucking big lake. Basically, it's probably the ocean. And they all, for safety reasons, decided they would only swim as far as they could and not push themselves too hard, which is an unusually responsible moment in a folktale <laughs> and might be editorialized later by translators, etc. Um, Egil was the fastest of the swimmers, and he got very far away from the others, and then suddenly a mist came down, and a cold wind struck up, and he, he kind of lost track of where he was, and so he wandered the water for two days until weekly showing up on the land. Which I guess is impressive as a kid to not just, you know, give up and drown after the first couple hours out there. Which I, I am no longer impressed by the feats of children in this story, Carmen. <laughs> no, I assu- no longer. I, I assume that they can accomplish anything they set their minds to. <laughs> a great giant came out the next morning and picked Egil up and tucked him under his arm. It's a good thing we met, Egil, says this random-ass giant who's never talked to him before. Also, I know your name. I've only- I've been spying on you, apparently. You have an Egil look to you. And he offers him the choice of dying right now or taking a job as a goat herd. Capitalism. And Egil said, fuck you, and slit his throat with his sword hand. Uh, Egil says, well, between the two, I'll- I guess I'll be a goat herd. <laughs> um... But being goat herd is totally shitty. So after a year, he runs away from it. Glad we had that interlude. Yeah, well, unfortunately for him, the giant's good at tracking and he's not very good at sneaking. So the giant immediately finds him in the cave he hid in. I mean, I guess I should have expected much from a giant who immediately knew his name somehow. Yeah, this is giant P.I. <laughs> okay, he's very good at investigations. So as punishment for Egil leaving his post, the giant ties 40 pound stones to each of his feet and he has to lug these around behind him for seven years. I don't know if that's just like the hyperbolic time chamber or what <laughs> the deal is there because it's never mentioned again and they seem to forget that that's a thing that he's got going on. I mean, yeah, that is only going to serve to make this incredibly strong child more strong. Yeah. Don't weaponize your your jerk child. <laughs> Uh, part 10. Escape. Uh, so once while Eagle was out looking for some goats that had strayed, he came across a cat, he caught it, and he took it home. Uh, the giant comments when he gets home that he is back awfully late, and Eagle's like, yeah. Yeah, I am. Goats suck ass. I've been complaining about it for ages. Have you met a fucking goat before? And the giant's like, it's a marvel that you can find anything in the dark. It feels like a non sequitur. But maybe <laughs> maybe just a comment on this guy getting back home or, or whatever. Uh, and Eagle says, well, that's because of my golden eyes. And the giant's like, what the fuck golden eyes you've been talking about? You got a second set of eyes you haven't told me anything about? And there's a dumb, long, meandering, confusing-ass exchange uh, <laughs> where basically he just tricks the giant into seeing the cat's eyes as a pair of extra glowy eyes that he's got. By keeping mm-hmm. the cat in shadows and pointing it toward light, like a lamp. I feel like I'm experiencing deja vu. Have we heard this in another story? It's possible. I don't know. I feel like I've heard this ploy before in something. Anyway, he's going to sell these extra eyes for his freedom because <laughs> the giant wants bonus cool eyes. Yeah, who wouldn't? And anyway, that's a trick to just try and murder the giant. Yeah, so of course it is. 
Yeah, so he sticks forks in the giant's eyes. Because um, the giant thinks he's getting a sweet new eye operation. Um, but the trick doesn't go very smoothly, so while the giant is blinded, he is not murdered. And it drags <laughs> just, on. Just very angry. Yeah, now he's And in pain. And this encounter drags on for a couple pages. And uh, it involves Eggle wearing a slaughtered goat onesie to try to sneak out with the other <laughs> goats. <laughs> that's how, that's where we evolved to. In this, like, cat and mouse chase between the two of these. But his goat onesie fails because he doesn't make clicky clacky noises with his feet. (laughs) (laughs) So the giant grabs him by... An incomplete onesie. (laughs) So the giant grabs him by the, like, fur at his shoulders. And um, it's very clear immediately that he is a a boy shape in a goat. (laughs) And not a goat shape in there. And the giant's like, well, it's a pity to part without a gift. And he offered the kid a fine ring. Um, but this is also another trick. Because we can't just, just straight up kill each other, right? We just have to we have to do stratagems. Drag this out. Uh, this is a trick that results in Eggle's right ear getting cut off. So we have, maybe it's just that everyone is missing ear bits so nobody comments on it when they see it. Because <laughs> apparently he has also been missing an ear this whole time. Eggle cuts off the giant's hand and he gets the ring anyway and they part they go their separate ways there's no saving this relationship after that (laughs) then Eggle finds a viking leader called Borger which is my favorite viking name (laughs) can you spell that? B-O-G-A-R it is how I pronounce burger when I would like one, but also would like to be obnoxious about it. So (laughs) that's my new favorite Viking name. So he joins Borger to plunder things, uh, and he kills somebody else effectively enough to get a leadership of his own boat or whatever. Again, this this part of the story drags. Part 11. Dwarf. One day, Eggle stopped in a harbor because the weather was shitty, and he went ashore alone, uh, where he witnessed a giant and a giantess fighting over a gold ring. The giantess, he noticed, was weaker than the giant and having some trouble, and also she was in a very short dress, and he could see all the bits. This is taking a strange turn. (laughs) Uncomfortable. (laughs) So Eggle intervened in the fight, um, trying to weaken the, the giant, but he lost his arm in this battle, so that's that's where he became Eggle one hand. And he ran away to a ship, sniveling. Was, that was a lot more unceremonious than I would expect. Wouldn't you think? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the ship goes to a different harbor while Eggle's just like, Oh, my hand! Ow! Uh, and he takes a pain-relieving walk into the forest where he rinses his wound in some cold water. And then he sees a dwarf child coming out of a rock with a pail to get some water for himself. Eggle picks the gold ring off of his finger with his teeth, because uh, he doesn't have another hand to do it. The story this story is very concerned about plot holes, so it makes <laughs> sure that there aren't any. Uh, and he slips this into the bucket, and the kid goes back into the rock. And then another dwarf comes out, and he's like, hey, why are you so nice? 
giving my kid some ring. And Eggle's like, look where I'm standing. Gold isn't much use to me, so he can fucking have it. I don't care. <laughs> Who gives a shit? So the dwarf invites him into his rock, fixes the wound, and makes him a cool arm sword. And that's the end of Eggle's story. I feel like I didn't need to know any of that. <laughs> Do you? That didn't inform me anything new about Eggle. He wore a goat onesie <laughs> once. Yeah. That he part saw, was fun. He saw a lady giant's bits. I, I'm glad that I know that, I guess. <laughs> sure did. Part 12. Queen Eaglebeak's Tale. Who's still not ready, so Eaglebeak goes Hey, it's and... my turn to tell a <clears throat> yeah. story. And her own Queen story. Eagle within... Beef. Queen Eagle Beef? Yeah, is that what you said? I said Queen Eagle Beak, but I do like Queen Eagle I Beef. Like, I like Eagle Beef. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so Queen Eagle Beak tells the story of a giant called Oskrug, who had a wife called Kula, and they're her, they're her parents. All of these stories start with parents that don't matter. <laughs> uh, she, Eagle Beak, or Beef, was the youngest of 18 daughters, and was therefore the hottest and the best. Obviously. Uh, her parents got sick and died and stopped mattering immediately. Uh, they were put underground and given back to the trolls, which I guess is some kind of giant burial custom. Return them to the trolls. She and her sisters got all their parents' money, uh, but the uh, brother of her father, her uncles, got the kingdom, and they also didn't like each other. Uh, her father had three remarkable treasures, a horn, a chess set, and a gold ring. The brothers got the first two things, but the daughters got the ring to share among the 18 of them. Uh, I'm sure that goes well. Yeah. Unrelated to all of this, it seems, uh, Eagle Beef was bullied by the sisters <laughs> a lot and was basically a giantess Cinderella. Um, and when she was sick of this whole situation, she vowed to Thor to give him any goat that he wanted if he'd even up the situation between her and her sisters. So Thor answers this prayer. Would you like to guess how Thor answers this prayer? Hitting something remind with me, a hammer, probably. Remind me of the prayer details. Uh, she wants the him specific to, wording. to even up the situation with her and her sisters. To even up the situation. That feels like there's so much room to... To, to murder. To, yeah, to interpret. Well, Thor's interpretation of this is... To sleep with the eldest sister. Oh, nice. I feel like Thor just wanted to do that. Maybe. Um, could, could well be. He keeps it going all night. What and does that he, mean? They, they just they do a lot. He does, he does good. He does many and he does long. And the other sisters were jealous enough to kill her the next morning for sleeping with Thor. All night. All night. Very loud. So Thor does the same to all of the sisters in turn. So this is sort of a... It is a murder in a way. Yeah. But he also gets to have his fun. Yeah, it's a murder by proxy where the blood's not on his hands. (laughs) But he does get his kicks. Uh... Each sister is killed in turn, but as they're killed, they each manage to curse the next sister that if she has a child by Thor, it will not grow or thrive. So they're still like, he's mine! Um, 
about uh-huh. this, so that's fun. Uh, eventually, Thor uh, boinked Eagle Beak too. So he was, I don't, he heard a prayer and he's like, that sounds like comes from a straight hottie and he just goes on, <laughs> on a bender, <laughs> maybe unrelated to the prayer. He's just like, oh my God, 18 willing. Yeah, he didn't even hear what the <laughs> yeah. request was. He didn't listen to the details. He just heard a details. nice sounding voice and decided <laughs> to have of, sex with it. He just sort of jumped <laughs> to the solution that he, that he wanted to do anyway. Right. Um, so yeah, he boinked Eaglebeak too, uh, gave her the the daughter that we've met, Skinbeak, and the curse worked on the daughter because Skinbeak's now shorter than she was when she was born, so she's just gonna not thrive. So I'm sure Skinbeak's like thrilled by this story. Did did we know that Skinbeak was smaller than an infant when we were introduced to Skinbeak? No, she's still bigger than people. Oh, cause giant. Yeah. Um, but she but was, I guess infant giant. Yeah, she's white. We know that she was whiter than she was tall. Mm-hmm. And Thor gave Eaglebeak everything the sisters had left, which I guess is generous or it's, just inheritance. But they, had, they just had the ring. Yeah, well, maybe they have cool dresses and shit too. <laughs> Who knows? Um, and Thor has been very helpful, so he's not I'm a, sure not a deadbeat. T- uh, baby daddy, apparently. That's um, how I would describe everything that just occurred was helpful. <laughs> I just think she meant sense, like with, <laughs> with problems that have shown up or child support or something. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but one little problem with this whole thing is that ever since her bang fest with Thor, she has been horny as fuck all the time. So, she had a particular prince in mind that she wanted to bang, but he was already gone off to propose to someone else, and by the time she got to him, it was already the wedding times. Tough break. Yeah. So her very mature way of handling this is to lay down in the street in order to play a dirty trick on the bride. But the bride saw her first, probably because she's a giant. (laughs) Uh, and then gave her a kick that broke both of her thigh bones. This does not affect her mobility, however, because Eaglebeak is able to follow her into the hall where they're setting up the wedding feast. And then Eaglebeak turned into a fly so that she could creep up under the bride's clothing and rip her belly open at the groin. Okay. Like you do when you're jealous of someone. Yeah, that old chestnut. Yeah. Um, But the bride recognized Eaglebeak and banged her on the side with a knife handle. Despite being a mosquito? (laughs) She was a fly, but yeah. Now, this bride seems sharp. Like, there's maybe a reason this guy was into her. Like, she's just clever and and quick. Um, So Eaglebeak figures after her ribs are broken that it's maybe time to to leave. (laughs) That's enough bones to devote to this problem I'm having. Uh, But at the end of the day, she did manage to yoink the groom uh, with the intent to run down to drown him in the ocean so that no one else could have him. So I guess she's maybe a teenager at this point in the story (laughs) because that seems like that kind of reasoning. Sure. Uh, but then she ended up tossing him on the bed with his bride, so she thought better of it in the end. She's like, ugh, fine, you have him. Whatever. Uh, but she got captured in the process of not drowning him, and she was forced to go to the underworld on a fetch quest for a cloak that couldn't burn, some kind of drinking horn, 
some kind of chess set, which I thought would relate to the drinking horn and chess set already mentioned, but don't. They're different, apparently. No relation. Yeah. Part 13, The Underworld. So Eagle Finally. Beak goes to the Underworld. She trades 60 goats and a pound of gold to King Snow to get the horn from him. Um, and then as an additional stipulation, she had to drink a giant poison cup that had been prepared for Queen Snow. Uh, and ever since then, she's had a problem with heartburn. So this is briefly a Tums commercial. <laughs> get some Why? Pepto. Who knows? Does this pay off? It does not. <laughs> so just a fun little fact about the giant eagle beak is that she has heartburn. It's humanizing. Uh, then she went to Mount Lucanus, where she snuck half the chess set off of the people there. Uh, they wanted it back, because I guess it's real hard to play chess with only half a set. And she says, basically, come and take it, bitches. And then there's another dumb fight. And she loses an ear also, so everybody just is at, down at least one ear. <laughs> just off the bat. At least they have something to talk about. Yeah, I think apparently it is the hardest part of the body to keep on yourself. So everyone's missing ears and no one comments on it. Yeah, I count myself lucky in that case. Yeah. They do tear off. Uh, There's also some... If you give them a good yank. Some very visceral boob ripping. And in the end, she gets the chest set and and also a magic glass eye that can change the shape of any man who looks into it or blind anyone who looks into it. I forgot that she got this thing because guess what else? (laughs) It doesn't matter. It never comes into play. <laughs> Too bad it wasn't a glass ear. Yeah, right? Then she goes back to the underworld to fetch the cloak, meaning that she could have planned this whole thing a lot better. And she meets... <laughs> oh, she, she has to take two trips? <laughs> yeah. That, that apparently sucks. apparently Mount is somewhere else. So. <laughs> That's, that sucks. Never, never heard of anybody else <laughs> have, having to do that, like... Success or failure. Yeah, like that's poor planning is what that is. Uh, so she meets Prince, the Prince of Darkness. Um, and he wanted to bang her as soon as he saw her. She's just that hot. All these stories are humble brags. <laughs> uh, she guessed that he was secretly Odin because he was missing an eye. And then he gave her a challenge to jump a big fire to get the cloak. Uh, so she she sleeps with him first. Gotta get that out of the way. Then she jumps over the fire. Sorry, Tyler. I, I just said, of course. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, she jumps over the fire and she gets the cloak. Uh, but she lost all the skin on her body. So also, in addition to being one ear down, she has been skinless this entire time. <laughs> Somehow not called no skin beak. No. Uh, then she goes back to that guy that she initially wanted to fuck and, and his wife now, because their wedding went off, and she gave them the treasures and she swore an oath to never avenge herself on them. And then she went home and was just real bitter about it for a while. <laughs> sorry I was so mean to you and you broke all my bones. <laughs> I'm sorry that both of those things happened. <laughs> Here's treasure. Um, so that's the end of her story, and she promises later to tell them about the little game she's had to play with her brothers. But then they get to eat the gruel that's now finished and go to sleep, and we're done with stories within a story for a little bit. Briefly, let's rate those stories. Okay. Asmund kicked ass. Loved that story. 
great, just jacked great 12 year olds roaming the land that was rad as hell eggle whatever kind of dull and pointless this one offensively pointless <laughs> <laughs> aggressively pointless <laughs> didn't even have the decency like, of being boring it <laughs> goes goes out of its way <laughs> Interesting. To be unrelated. And disappointing. <laughs> Raised the bar high and then dropped it. And then, and then karate chopped it in half and said there was never a bar. And there was never an ear. Also, I didn't have skin this whole time. Surprise. All right. Part 14. Recovery. <laughs> Is that for the story or for us? Yes. Well, probably more the story. I don't know that we get recovery until the end. So in the morning, the sworn brothers, uh, Eagle and, and Asmund, woke early. And Eaglebeak joined them. And they asked her, hey, what time it is? And she answered, you can stay here all day. And <laughs> don't worry not, about it. <laughs> that is not a time at all. And details, no one, details. <laughs> no one fucking comments on it. Um, so they discussed their whole reason for being here the quest to get the king's lost daughters um yeah remember those (laughs) yeah the two hills um so and they're eating a breakfast of ale and some unspecified food as they get her up to date on their whole situation uh eaglebeak says she doesn't know how successful they'll be but uh first she had best tell them about what happened after the death of her dad the giant uskrud Aside from all the stuff she'd already told them about her bits. So we're back into a new story within a story. Oh, great. A Uh, brief reprieve. (laughs) So her uncles, I assume, the king's brothers, didn't agree about who should be king and do all the kinging. Uh, So they did come to, like, a, a competition agreement that the one of them who could get the coolest princess gets to be king so the brother gout went first uh, and he's the one who nabbed the older hild then hildir went off and grabbed the other hild so that beast that was the oldest beast that's ever Mm -hmm. been was just one of these giants and not that beast at all and has the name Hildur now? Hildur's the younger one. He was the vulture. How many Hilds are there? Too many Hilds. <laughs> three, at least. Three, three X Hild. Yeah, but one it's of them gets an extra syllable. Um, so both Hilds are in fact here in Jotunheim, but it's going to be really annoying to get them. They're getting married at Christmas, and then they're going to be judged for which one of them's the neatest, so that they can figure out who's going to be king. The neatest? Yeah, the coolest. Tidiest? The sweetest. Oh. The most radical. The, it's, so it's like a wedding competition? Yeah. Christmas wedding competition? Yeah. Which, uh, when is that show coming to Hulu, right? <laughs> like I'm, I'm certain it's already there. It's That's only a matter of time if it isn't. Um, so Asmund's like, sweet, convenient, you want to help us? Uh, and Eaglebeak, in a continued part of the story where no one answers question directly ever, (laughs) 
says, Well, the only reason I keep my family ties with these two ding-dongs is to avoid being under any obligation to them, and it's more due to my good faith than anything they've done. But rest here, and I'll show you my treasures. <laughs> Which, again, is not a fucking answer to the question that was given. <laughs> so the two men are like, Sweet, let's go check out these treasures. Um, and they they go look at them, and they're awesome. It's just a lot of neat shit she's got. Cool collection of cool stuff. It's just like a car. Yeah. She's got oh, it, de- it described like a few of these swords. things. But yeah, you guys, you go for it. Insert your own thing here. It does not matter. A jewel-encrusted fishing rod. A couple packs of Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Value. It's the greatest treasure of them all. A decent-sized fish tank. Nothing too ostentatious. With fish or no? No, no fish. She hasn't found the right fish yet. It is a commitment. You do want to make sure that you you have the the right vibes in there. Uh, one of those birds that dr- drinks water and then dips its head back up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just all the desk toys. A couple things from the As Seen on TV line of products. She's got a ring fit. That was hard to find for a while. So after the boys admire the desk toys and the ring fit and the Yu-Gi-Oh cards. uh, Probably an Instapot. (laughs) She opens up a small casket that has very sweet fragrance inside. And they look in and in there is Eggle's old hand with the gold (laughs) ring. And She's had it this whole time. Yeah. And that's why she was looking at him weird at the beginning. And it seemed like it was still warm and steaming, which is an unfortunate way to describe a hand or any body part ever. That has been missing for a number of years. Yeah, and it has veins throbbing. And she's like, hey, you recognize Uh-oh. this? And Eggle's like, yeah, that's my old hand. Lefty. How'd you get it? <laughs> and she's like... Oh yeah, that's old Lefty. <laughs> she's like, well, you know, it's been a couple minutes. Let's go into another story inside of story. No. Um, yeah, so I summarized that one into <laughs> they, one sentence. Did they need to employ a bunch of storytellers or voice actors at once? <laughs> There's an, an industry crisis. Like, this, like this we need had to, to become like, like a what do you call it? Um, an ensemble cast. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. This this whiffs of some Adam Sandler money laundering. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, she goes into another story, which I was luckily able to summarize into this sentence. Basically, she was the giant whose bits he saw in the fight that he witnessed. So basically, they're married. I mean, by some logic, yeah. Uh, so she kept the hand safe all these years, and she grafts it back onto his arm with life herbs and silk and a whole thing, and then tells him to sleep it off. And then she's basically like, all right, we're just all of us, everyone, uh, we've run out of story ideas for the moment, so we're going to hang out until Christmas. Um, <laughs> also, by the way, I have a partner, Scrog. He lives nearby. Yeah. Love partner Scrog. <laughs> so, like, if we managed to outwit the brothers, I do want myself and Scrog to profit from it, so we're going <laughs> to... 
We're just going to chill out here and do some off-screen heist planning for a little we gotta, while. Cause gotta we're take a piece Fred. off the top for Scrog. <laughs> so, Scrog gets us... his commission fee. That takes us to part 15, the wedding. I think it is a considerable downgrade to reattach an arm instead of con- keeping your sword hand. Yeah, the sword hand by which you received all of your accolades uh, previous. You're, you're not even Eggle one hand anymore. You're Eggle. Yeah, you're just, just plain old Eggle. Eggle disappointing story. <laughs> Eggle goat onesie. Like, there, there aren't a lot of... Eggle giant bits. <laughs> so, part 15, the wedding. So the giant brothers called a giant meeting, which was attended also <laughs> by Scrog, which is who is, by the way, the giant's lawman. Um, and the, the purpose of this giant meeting is to witness the princesses show up with the masterpieces they made in whatever reality TV show competition they were given for this whole situation. My initial response was that they made some cool macaroni art, but... They did decide to describe what they they brought in. Uh, so Brynhild, uh, who you may remember, is the oldest Hild, who mm-hmm. is called Brynhild because she's been trained in the art of knighthood. So we were told. Her contribution to the which Hild is the best Hild competition is to make a magic carpet that can fly and also carry heavy stuff. Alright, I can see the utility. Yes, and also the knighthood. Beckhild, who you may recall, was uh, clever and called Good Beckhild guitar. because of yeah, cool guitar and embroidery skills. Uh, she made a shirt that no weapon could bite, and you can swim forever in it without getting tired. Some Legend of Zelda shit. Yes. So the judgment was difficult on account of these two made two very different things. That don't <laughs> on account of these <laughs> things are not comparable. Right. Um, and it came down to Scrog's opinion. And Scrog decided Brynhild was the more beautifulest of the two and had the coolest macaroni art thing. So Gout is going to be king and marry her. But also each brother is going to still rule over half the kingdom. So ultimately this whole competition was dumb, pointless bullshit. Whose line is it anyway? Yeah, the points don't matter. Also, that shirt doesn't matter. <laughs> you think It sounds like it matters a lot. Right, you'd think that an impervious shirt that lets you swim forever without getting tired would be a key plot point in the getting away from stuff later. But no, no, it doesn't matter. They just stick it in a shredder. <laughs> nice to have. But yeah, they bank see that shirt. <laughs> Uh, so then a double wedding is planned, and Scrog reports back to Eaglebeak what's been going on, and they do some scheming. Um, the two, like, regular human brothers, uh, Asmund and uh-huh. Eggle, take on the fake names Fjallar and Frosty. Frosty? Frosty. That... Does not does not sound like it fits with the rest of the story. No, it doesn't. I mean, it's spelled with an I instead of a Y. So <laughs> does that help? Mm, yeah, kind of. Okay. Um, they get disguised as giants except Hotter. 
I see. Is that important? It's just to, like it's good for you to know. <laughs> just for the, your fanfics. Yeah. Uh, so they show up at the wedding, and Gout calls Eaglebeak out for not visiting before, and she's like, "Yeah, sorry. I know, like our family drama's been kind of weird, and I take all the blame for it." Yada yada yada. Uh, hmm. She offers him the ring that they fought for as a wedding gift, and Gout's like, "Sweet." I love this ring. I punched so hard for it. And who are these two hot guys you got with you? Uh, she says, Oh, these are the sons of King Dumb of the Dumb Sea. They're real good at etiquette. Oh, guess what? I literally just spit water all over my microphone. King, King Dumb of the King Dumb of the Dumb Sea is powerful. Did, did I write that? It was a beautiful breath of fresh air as I was like slowly sinking closer <laughs> to the floor as I typed this whole thing out. And then it's like King Dumb of the Dumb Sea. And I was like, oh, new life. I am refreshed. <laughs> yes. I love this alibi. <laughs> this is best secret identity. I am Frosty, son of King Dumb of the Dumb Sea. <laughs> My etiquette is on point. So Eaglebeak's allowed to serve at the wedding. Mm -hmm. uh, they were all given keys to all of the money boxes, which seems like a, a really weird way to, yeah, why? <laughs> to handle anything. Um, and Eaglebeak whispered to the two stolen sisters who the hot giants really were. Uh, so the sisters are now able to look cheerful because... Don't the worry. They're not really kingdom of the dumb sea. <laughs> They're princes of smarter seas. Don't you worry. Um, and the sisters were able to look more cheerful because they had not been super enthusiastic about these weddings. So uh, everyone's like, oh man, Eagle Beak does such a great job. Look how great these, these chicks look. They look so happy. <laughs> so the guests all happened the giants were making Boris jokes very loudly Scrog the lawman was sitting with the farmers the groom giants were on the opposite bench with their followers Eaglebeak was hanging out next to the brides with some other huge ladies uh, and Fjallar and Frosty sons of kingdom of the dumb sea served the ladies and there was a lot of booze so everyone got very drunk and Eaglebeak called the lawman and the brothers to bring the wedding presents in. Scrog, the lawman, handed over all the treasures to Eaglebeak, who put them onto the magic load-bearing carpet and sent her daughter, Skinbeak, to fetch all the gold and silver, which weren't part of the wedding presents, but everyone's too drunk to care. She's like, yeah! Shinies! Then Eaglebeak led Frosty to Gout and Brynhild's wedding bed. Um, and showed him Gout's famous sword. And it's, this is the only weapon that could hurt this particular giant. And she told Frosty that Fjallar and Hildur are going to do their own thing. We're not going to bother to describe it. There's a lot of planning and writing so far. We're pretty tired. So you just trust that, <laughs> that part of the story is definitely going to happen. Uh, and you, both of you need to be ready for a test of your manhood. 16 and 18 year old. <laughs> oh that's that's grown up i guess 
Yeah, it's better than back in than being, back in old yeah. old time society. That's that's an adult. It's better than being a Jack's twelve year old. <laughs> it's true. Seaglebeak goes back to the main cave and declares that it is bedtime for everybody. Fjallar and Frosty set the brides on the carpet with all the junk, and Eaglebeak sends the carpet flying off. No one questions this. She then gives her daughter Skinbeak a mirror and tells her to go to the entrance of the cave and hold it up in the face of any who try to come out. Uh, a dance started up in the cave as the grooms were about to be led out to their wedding beds, and I assume this is... Some giant equivalent to having sparklers and little champagne bottles full of bubbles and bird seed and whatever else at the end of a wedding. There are three exits. Scrog the lawman was in charge of one. Skinbeak was in charge of the commoner entrance. And the grooms were to be led through the third exit that goes to their bedroom. We now enter part 16. Casualties. <laughs> uh, is it the, the story? Huh? Is it the story that's the casualty? <laughs> yes. Plot, everything. That's all casualties. Eggle accompanied Hildur to his bedroom, and there another punch him up starts. The giant's nose gets cut off, uh, but he's able to get outside and shout that he has been tricked and start a giant panic. So giants rush to the exits, but at one exit, Scrog the Lawman is just murdering anyone that that shows up there. At the other, Skinbeak is blinding everybody with the mirror. Uh, so Gout's <laughs> like, oh shit, and he goes to get his famous sword, but both it and his bride are missing from his bedroom. And then Asmin shows up, raises the sword, aims it at Gout, forgets to check the ceiling height, sword gets caught in the rock, this doesn't matter because it somehow also manages to catch Gout's eyebrow. And then the story writer's like, I can't just make it cut an eyebrow. That's, I mean, that's going to be so lame. So then it goes through his eye, then his cheekbones, and his collarbone, then clean through his ribs. Now we're fucking talking. <laughs> Gout. Imagine if it was only the eyebrow. <laughs> yeah, like, well, he gets, like, kind of a cool lame scar. Like a secondary character. How am I supposed to maintain this boner? This Christmas violence boner. This Christmas violence Because I will remind you, <laughs> this is a Christmas wedding. <laughs> uh, Gout manages to hurl a boulder at Asmund and knock him flat, but then he tripped on his own entrails and died. <laughs> nice. Freybug, I need you to chill. Fahudore. <laughs> So Asmund, um, unfazed by being boulder smacked, goes to the room where Eggle and Hildur are still punch lording it up, and he helps Eggle break the giant's neck. Then they go check on Scrog the Lawman, who had killed ninety giants and had the rest begging him for mercy. Yeah, despite being like their sheriff or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like Scrog the Lawman has a heavy body count and also helped with a lot of theft. Maybe law is different in, in your time. <laughs> maybe it, I don't really think his heart is in it. Maybe it's against the law not to murder and steal. <laughs> um, the giants who went out the door guarded by Skinbeak walked straight over a cliff and died. Casualties indeed. 
our heroes spend the night in this cave, now empty of other giants, and then they cleared of it, cleared it of its remaining valuables in the morning, uh, very Grinch style, <laughs> and go to uh, Eagle Beak's home, where the sisters were already waiting with all the other stuff they'd already stolen. They party all winter. And then spring's allowed to happen this year, so they go and rejoin the men that they'd left on the shore. Uh, but not before giving Jotunheim to Eaglebeak and Scrog the Lawmen, because I guess they have the power to do that. <laughs> Everything yeah, the light touches gave it to them. is yours. Now, part 17. Another wedding. <laughs> Uh, so we're off to King Hurtrig. Uh, you remember him? Hilds? Yeah, he's Hild Danny. Uh, so it's a good reunion. The king reminds them of his promise, in case we'd forgotten it and all this. He asks the men, so do you want do you want me to keep that? Like, do you want these, these girls? Or would you rather have your award and money? Because I am a little bit more solvent than I was, so I can't just give you cash. <laughs> it's been long enough. Uh, and they're both like, nah, we, we'll take the hotties, please, if if they want to marry us. So they're the most progressive thinkers in the story, <laughs> in, in spite of all evidence to everything contrary to that. Uh, so like any good Adam Sandler comedy, these girls knew that they owed it to these men for having completed their hero's journey. <laughs> they saved them. Who else are they going to try and marry? So Egil gets Beckhild and Asmund gets Brynhild. And a wedding feast is planned. And you're like, oh man, this is usually when the story ends. But both men are like, no, we can't possibly end the story yet. We haven't done other bullshit. So they go to see if their other family members that they mentioned in their stories are around to invite to this thing. And then literally the story says, there's nothing to say about their travels except they went well. (laughs) Okay. But then it continues on to explain exactly how well they went. So. So. so uh, <laughs> what, what are you doing? Right? Like, this is where. This is where the dumb sea wasn't saving me anymore. <laughs> yeah. The dumb sea has dried up. Uh, so, Eggle- All of the dumb fish are flopping, <laughs> gasping. <laughs> So Eggle finds his daddy, and he's like, hey, here's the story that's happened. You want to come to a wedding? Uh, And Skinbeak and Eaglebeak are also invited to the wedding. Uh, And that queen... But not Grog the Lawman, or Scrog, sorry. He's the plus one. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That queen that Eaglebeak had been bitter about because she was marrying the man that she wanted to bang was also Mm -hmm. at the wedding, and the two of them reconciled and started a book club or whatever. Great. Um, I don't know what Asmund did, (laughs) but the wedding feast lasted for a month, and everyone got presents. Because it's Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hertrig, at this point, had grown very old in the course of the story, as have we all. (laughs) (laughs) And As, As is all of us, yes. And for whatever reason, he asks Egil, uh, the man who he has not spent a lot of time with, but who started out as the fellow raiding his countryside, mm-hmm. and then was briefly his um, 
I don't know, law enforcement or whatever. Not his 16-year-old drinking buddy, Asmund. But just this rando ego. Eggle. Ego waffles. <laughs> um, he says, why don't you stay with me and then be my heir? And Eggle says, sure, but I gotta go home first to Gotaland. I'll be back within the year. Meanwhile, Asmund invited Herod, who I think is... Uh, it's Aaron's. It's the zombie guy's mm-hmm. brother. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to come with him to Halogaland. Mm-hmm. Evilbeak goes back to Jotunheim, but she's got now as a present a giant butter keg from the woman she'd feuded with, two flanks of bacon that weighed a ton from Asmund, and I guess nothing from Egil. Fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> Asmund and Harrod went to Halogaland. They took 11 men to greet his dad, who didn't recognize him. But his mom caught on immediately to who he was, and there was another feast. Who were the eleven men? Who knows? Why did he need eleven of them to go greet his father? Unclear. Just a good number of men to have. I guess. Around. Did it matter that his dad didn't recognize him? No. Did we spend a couple sentences on that? Yes. (laughs) And then Harad said that he wanted to go east to Gotaland to marry Egil's sister, so they did that. Then Eggle and Harad team up, and they what? sail the Baltic. <laughs> what are we doing, Carmen? <laughs> um, Why are there 14 epilogues? <laughs> they, every story needs an epilogue. Yeah, I think somewhere in here we have transitioned to part 18, the end of the story, but I'm not Some clear. of these epilogues have epilogues. So Egil and Harad team up. Asmund stays behind to watch over Gotaland, the place that Egil came from, because he's going to be king if Egil's dad dies for some reason. And Egil's... I think I think what happened is the storyteller forgot what the fucking relationships were by this point. <laughs> I have as well. Because there are too many of them. There are too this many This is characters. DLC that nobody wants. <laughs> that, that also automatically installs <laughs> king hartrick this, this is malware <laughs> we this is our first story with malware in it uh so king hartrick who was asmund's drinking buddy dies mm-hmm. and makes Egil king in his stead right because he picked him as heir for some fucking reason harad takes over his own kingdom which is separate from all of these Mm-hmm. So Egil is king of one kingdom. Egil's dad, I guess, continues on alive for quite a bit because the prologue now goes much like how the Harry Potter series ended <laughs> and tells some stories about dumb kids of these characters that no one has met or cares about. Cool. Apparently, the son of Asmund was killed in his bath mm-hmm. <laughs> by Starcott the Old. And it was Starcod's last crime. Man, I hate when that happens. What? (laughs) Who the fuck was Starcod? I don't know. What were his other crimes? (laughs) Maybe he's a famous Icelandic criminal. I don't know. We get no context in here. We don't get to know. But he done killed Asmund's son in his bath. Brynhild also didn't live long. 
So Aspen got married again to another woman we don't know anything about. But, like, the proposal was supposed to be a trick. Like, he was supposed to show up in a single ship, presumably so they could rob him. But he, as a counter trick, he built a really cool, gigantic single ship called the Nod. With a I, I would like to propose an orthodox uh, solution to well, our current problem. Yeah. Um, Carmen, just read the last sentence you have written, because it doesn't matter if we have the context for it or not. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're like, one point away. <laughs> uh, the Nod made Asmund the greatest of all ancient kings who didn't rule over any major kingdoms. And apparently Asmund died when Odin ran him through with a spear, and then he jumped overboard, and the Nod sank to the bottom of the ocean, and nothing of it or its cargo has ever been found, so don't even ask about it. Don't even look! The end. Mm. That's how it ends. Okay... That's it. That's they're done. How did Eckel die? Eggle's still going. Eggle's still king. His dad's still going. <laughs> the Eggle family has strong genes. But Asmund and his son both murdered. Correct. <laughs> both dead. And, Merry Christmas. And Brynhild, also dead. That whole section of the story, gone. Eggle's the only one. Captain Captain Goat Onesie, he's the one that makes it. <laughs> I mean, t- that's fine. He was my favorite anyway. He had a sword for a hand. He did. He doesn't anymore. Uh, I loved was, him from minute one. There was a, a thing I didn't include in here where uh, the dwarf showed up again and put a handle on the sword so that he could use it now that he has both Oh, hands. nice. <laughs> And it was a fearsome weapon, and, and I, yeah, he continues to be an anime hero until the end of time. So that's it. We did it. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Arius, for uploading this. Sorry <laughs> if we sound mad at you. <laughs> it's, it's really no, not I'm, your fault. I'm I'm mad at Asmund <laughs> for living the way he did. <laughs> What a terrible example you've set for life, Asmund. <laughs> what a horrible way to exist. So that is going to do it for us. Uh, I'm done talking for a bit. Yeah, uh, that sounds good. Thank you all for listening to this. Um, thank you, Arius, for suggesting it and uploading it. Uh, thank you for everyone who's been uh, sharing the show about with people. We don't pay for advertising or remember to do it ever, so <laughs> we appreciate your assistance there. Uh, thank you for everyone who has been supporting the show and joining our Discord and playing the fun games uh, that Leo's put together. Um, we, those are a lot of a lot of fun. You should come join. It's like a dollar a month. Or you can gift a membership to somebody else in the spirit of the season or whatever. Or you can wear a goat onesie also in the spirit of the season. I'm not stopping you from anything. Um, thank you, of course, to our top tier patrons. Lucky, Luna, Maxwell, Queen Savagery, still reigning. Trickery Treats, thanks Nycteris, the best character in all myth time. Travass, not Grabass. Heirius, Midori, Baby Grandma, Becca, Friendly Lobster, Kelly. Is Tinkerbell a reference to absence? Project Birdfall Informant, Funky Little Strawberry, Lemur, Spaghetto Floating Around in a Duck Pond, Caitlin, Danielle, The Holly Jolly Santa Fe, 
Olwen, Queen of Terrible Taste, Allie, That Witch Jingles, Copus Cat, Was It Vespa, Versus, Keeper of Too Many OCs, Pyrus, Nathan the Scott, Alex, Banjo Bug, Dave tracking Crimble Claws to his underground elf lair, Maya, Grey, Goetic Prince of the Arcane, High Listus of Wimbus, Yahweh Yahweh, I Threw Up, Haley, Dominic, Justin, Lily, Izzy, Heather, High Meow Lady of the Cult of Cricket, and Jenna. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you always, Doug. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Douglas. We're what the folklore. That's how it works. This has been What the Folklore. Thanks for listening to our show. If you have story suggestions for us, please send them to wtfolklore at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Special thanks to the Brobdingnagian Bards for the use of their song Happily Ever After from their album Brobdingnagian Fairy Tales. If you enjoyed our show, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts.